to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. Today, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little reprieve from all the uh, negotiation talk and the human psychology and, and the, the kind of the deep thought stuff. And we're going we're gonna to talk rookies today. Uh, I've got a lot of my rookie drafts actually coming up tomorrow morning, starting one of my drafts and a couple other ones coming real soon. And I know a lot of you guys do your, your rookie drafts right after the NFL draft. That that's cool with me. I think that there's there's an advantage to be had either way. I think there's an advantage to to waiting because you you learn a little bit more. And if you're always paying attention, you seem to always have that slight little edge. Although some of your your secret guys, you know, that's the other thing. If you if you go earlier and you have a couple guys that are kind of secret, and by the time you get you know you can get them before the buzz starts, I see an advantage to both. For me, I I really just I, I like to spend a lot of time watching the rookies um, and kind of diving into the rookies before the NFL draft. And then I'm usually pretty burned out. Um, if you haven't listened to the show before, you know that I'm. Not, let me tell you, I'm not a scout. I don't do any of my own scouting. In fact, I watch mostly highlights and I read a lot of scouting reports and kind of just dive into some of my favorite you know, scout, scouts and, and different guys like Matt Waldman, Matt Harmon, NFL.com's Lance Zerline. Um, that's actually what I'm going to be today. The, the podcast is going to be based around some NFL player evaluations from from combine stats and stuff all from nfl.com. Most of it's Lance Zerline. I think some of some of the older stuff they had staff it doesn't really say who it is, but either way it's it's nfl.com. A lot of these all of these scouting reports are, that I'm going to be talking about today are, are based on nfl.com. So the, what I'm kind of looking forward to doing today is it's going to be fun for me uh, just to talk a little players. Like I said I don't I don't normally talk a lot of players on this podcast. I'm trying to keep it more to to you know, gaining an edge in, in dynasty in different ways than, than players, um, but in this case, I think that there is there is an edge to be gained. I'm going to be kind of making some hot takes along the way that I, that I can kind of hopefully give some suggestions and some some ideas uh, to help you know in, along those lines as to gaining value without actually you know knowing who the best players are or those kind of things. So, but there is going to be some player evaluation. There is going to be me kind of giving my opinion and, and just kind of giving you reasons and, and but. The way I'm going to break this podcast down is I've got six different players that I want to do kind of player comps for. Because for me, like I said, when when the NFL draft comes around, I usually sit down and watch a lot of the players before the NFL draft comes. That way I can just kind of have an understanding of mostly the offense, some of the defensive players because I do play a lot of IDP. But mostly the offensive players, I like to enjoy the, the, the process of learning about them on my own before I see where they end up. Because to me, once you see where they end up, it does kind of cloud your judgment on that player a little bit. Because the, everybody just starts to decide, okay, well, he went in the second round, not the first round. I mean, Darius Geis was a perfect example of that. Where in it, you can't help but have it happen to all of us. I feel the same way. It's like, okay, he was supposed to be this great running back, and now he dropped to the second round. What does that mean? You know, Does that mean anything? So for me, what I like to do is is kind of get really into it, and then when the draft's over, I kind of like to get away from it, um, just because it's just you get burned out on the rookies, and there's so much rookie talking. So I know everybody does a lot of people do their drafts early. We don't. Most of my leagues, we don't. And I, I'm kind of excited now. The rookie drafts are coming back around, and I've had a month off of thinking about the rookies. So. These last few days, I've spent some more time looking into the rookies and just watching some of their their highlights and stuff, and kind of getting another you know more familiar with them. And one of the things that my favorite things about watching highlights and, and projecting players as they come into the NFL is player comps. And you know, some some people, some scouts or whatever, they don't like it. It's, you know, it just seems too 
too easy and it doesn't really like there's obviously everybody's an individual you can't just player comp somebody and oh they're going to turn out to be that guy i get it but for me as a as a dynasty player i like to i i need something to to put my brain around and, and contextualize what this player could become you know that's that's the bottom line for me is i'm always trying to think well you know what could this player become if everything kind of lined up properly and you know the situation this guy really kind of lived up to his potential what 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 could that look like so for me that's that's what i'm going to be doing today is kind of breaking down um some things that i came across that that kind of popped into my head some of them that not all like completely novel ideas i've heard a couple of these on podcasts but they're they're also they're not completely these ideas are you know i think are pretty pretty unusual and they're not you know you're going to see that they're just kind of ways to make you think and kind of look at things. I don't necessarily have too many strong takes in here, but I, I want to kind of plant a few seeds as far as just my own feelings about the rookie drafts and stuff as well along the way. So I'm going to kind of just plant those, intermix those in along the, with this segment. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and start um, the segment with probably the two players that, in my opinion, least least compare to each other. At least is when you watch them on film, they're they're not the kind of players you go, oh, he looks just like that player. He's amazing, and you know, there's it's just the resemblance is amazing. How how much they look the same, it's not that at all. But to me, talent level, situation wise, there there is a lot to be said. And then I kind of at the end, I maybe have my biggest hot take uh, of the whole episode um, based on this situation. So that I'm gonna add that in as well. Um, so player A, when he came in into the NFL, he's a running back. He's five foot ten. He's 214 pounds. He ran a five or four five forty. He had 15 reps in the bench. He had 39 and a half inch vertical and 131 inch broad jump. Player B was 5'11", 214 pounds. Ran a five four forty. 22 bench reps and a four two one 20 yard shuttle. That's the only stats they gave on. When they gave some analysis. Uh, very similar, you know. There's some of the analysis and some of the the scouting on this. They're not so much sun, uh, so much the same. But spirited runner, um, player A with NFL size and speed. He creates yardage with speed, wiggle, and power. Um, he can play on all three downs. He's a sure-handed pass catcher. Some of his weaknesses: uh, his vision can be hit or miss. His medical is kind of questionable, and um, you know he's an extending talent, but he's inconsistent. Player B. Similar, similar profile. I mean, really muscular, well, well-built frame, has good burst, um, flashes acceleration to climb past linebackers, understands the art of setting up blockers. He's a highly respected player. Um, he has some tightness in his hips on the weakness side. He, you know, he's not got great balance. He's more of an angular runner, and he's serviceable as a pass catcher, which might be one of the few differences between player A and player B. So let's just get right to the point. Player A. Alvin Kamara. Player B, Sony Michelle. So I think when you watch them, it's pretty clear they're not the same player. But I would also say that it's pretty clear that they are very similar talents as far as Alvin Kamara outplayed his draft, you know, his, his where he got drafted, maybe by a long shot. But Sony Michelle also is a highly touted player and he he is going to end up being a force in this league. And if you look at their situations, that's what's really the key for me. You got New Orleans who drafted uh, Kamara. It's, maybe it's Kamara. I'm sorry if I say it wrong. I just so used to saying Kamara, and that's like I can't even. I just can't even get my head around it. So Kamara, um, when he got drafted, he 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 came into the league and 
played for the New Orleans Saints, who have you know a great offensive coordinator, and they had Adrian Peterson and Mark Ingram. He comes in, kind of this con- quote congested backfield um, with the New Orleans Saints. And if you look at Sony Michelle, you know some people might consider his backfield to be congested too, because New Orleans, uh, the New England backfield is always considered like this. You know, oh, you just don't want to draft New England running backs, and yet. If you really look at it, New England and New Orleans have a very similar in the sense that they score a lot of points and they both have really good running games. And everybody on the New England and everybody on the New Orleans running games usually are good in some form or fashion, especially if you have somebody who's really talented. And so Alvin Kamara proved that last year. His talent kind of rose above everybody else. And here you have Mark Ingram playing with him, and they're both putting up huge numbers. And Kamara's still outproducing him and still getting you know, the majority of the touches down the stretch. They started leaning on Kamara, and I, I just can't imagine that Rex Burkhead and uh, James White are going to just take that much from Sonny Michelle that he's not going to be this really prolific running back in the league. So that's my hot take for maybe the whole episode. I think there's been a lot of talk about this 1.2 being not a good place to be, you know, in, in the rookie drafts. The 1-1 one, one is Saquon Barkley, and then after that, it's like 1-2 to 1-8, and, you know, any of these running backs could land. And, you know, you may feel that way. I don't. I see Darius Geis. I see questions. I see Rashad Penny. I see, I see a lot of questions on a lot of these running backs. That can't be answered for me, and I don't see any of those questions with Sony Michelle. I think Sony Michelle just looks like he's just going to be a surefire stud. So, if you want an answer to who to take at one two, my answer is Sony Michelle. I think it's hands down Sony Michelle. Don't think about, don't think too hard about it. Um, you know, you sure if you want Rashad Penny, if you have, if you're in love with one of the other players, take him. But if you're not sure and, and you're not going to be able to get good value just trading out, the reason, whole reason I brought this player comparison up is if. If I told you, okay, you can't have Saquon Barkley at 1-1, but you could have Alvin Kamara at 1-2, I think you would take that in a heartbeat. You would not be trading out of that 1-2. Well, guess what? I think Sonny Michel is going to be up there with Alvin Kamara as far as production. Uh, he's just an all-around great player, and he plays for an all-around great team. So I think that that one is, is really my, my biggest – it's just like I, I'm, I have 1-1-2 one, one, right now, and I'm excited to take Sonny Michel. You know, I – in our leagues, the way, the way our leagues work is you actually play to win those topics. If you don't make the playoffs, you, the team, they actually have a, a, a tournament that goes towards winning. So you, it kind of promotes you don't want to have a tanking team ever. And I like that. I think I always suggest you play in more advanced leagues like that where it actually doesn't, there's no tanking. Um, you have to play your way to that first pick. And, and I almost got the first pick in this league and was really disappointed when I got second place and I lost in the final final game to get the first, you know, trying to get that first pick. And now I'm not so disappointed as I've kind of done some more scouting and kind of watching. I'm thinking, you know, Saquon's going to produce a lot, but I think Sony Michelle's going to produce a lot too. And I think that there's a clear number two for me, and that's Sony Michelle. Okay, so let's move on. Let's go ahead and do another running back real quick. Um, this one's been talked about a little bit more, so I'm not the first person to come up with this idea, but I did want to kind of break this one down because it is it is interesting, and I think you should kind of wrap your head around this. Um, player A, he's a running back. When he came out, he was six foot one. He was 224 pounds. He ran a 4-5-40, 25 reps. He did a 41 and a half inch vertical. It's a really tall jump. And 127 inch, he did a 6.82 three cone. Player B, 6'2", 228 pounds, very similar build. 4-4-6-40, a little bit faster at the 40 time. 15 bench press, 33 and a half vertical, 122 broads, 6-9-1 cone. So not quite the athlete player, but comparable for sure. Um, Player A can't coming out. It was kind of said to be, you know, big. That the words are long strider. Let me see. Looks good on the hoof. Those are the. That's the words they actually said. Him looks good on the hoof. Possesses a big body, 
Uh, he's a smooth pass catcher. He's fast. He's a long strider. Player B, let's, let's just go over the, literally says the same thing. It says, he looks good on the hoof and should test well at the combine. He lacks decisiveness. He has great pass catching skills. Doesn't play with the same, you know, size. Plays up to his size. Doesn't have the hips or feet to cut with sharpness. A very similar for outlook for both of these players. Player A is David Johnson. And when he came out, he was a, he graded at a five five six by by Lance Zerline in there, and that's that's basically like a backup, you know, borderline, you know, special teams helper and backup. And player B is Kalen Balage, and he also graded he graded a five four six, so just barely below that, also as a backup. But if you look at his measurables and you look at his his career, it's very similar. And and, and what I obviously I've only seen highlights of Balage, so it, you know he always looks better in highlights. The kid has explosion though; he can catch the ball really well. And he's he has a fluidity about him. He can catch the ball really well. And from what I understand, he didn't get a lot of playing time. They had a, kind of a, you know, sometimes it's not about, oh, the player, if you're so good, how come he didn't just dominate the, the carries? Well, sometimes the coach just doesn't want that. You can't, that doesn't always predict. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it has nothing to do with anything. So I just think that could be deceiving. So am I saying he's going to be David Johnson? No, I actually don't think he's he's really as good athlete as David Johnson. And, and honestly, I don't have any hot takes on this one. I think the situation is quite different, too, because when he was coming into to Arizona, David Johnson was. Andre Elton, he was so frail. He wasn't even really a running back. And David Johnson just took that job from him, you know, immediately just showed to be much much more of, of a running, of a true running back. Where I think uh, Kenyon Drake has proven that he is a pretty decent talent, and, and it's not just going to be that easy for Kalen Balazs to come in and just take the job from him. But regardless, if he's that good and he's David Johnson good, he would he would do that and just keep an eye out for that because that is a possibility. So let's do another running back before we move on to a couple of the receivers. Um, this is another one that I've heard before, but but you know it's still interesting to me, and I, and I think that it's uh, when I watched him play, it was one of the first things that jumped out at me. So player A, uh, when he came out of college, he was he was a running back. He's six foot one. He was two hundred fifteen pounds. His strengths, he had good size, uh, he had good quickness, he accelerated through the hole and matched and reached maximum speeds very quickly. He had good lateral mobility and was kind of a, his weaknesses were that he was kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. He lacked explosiveness and consistency. Um, player B, if you look at his, his measurables, very similar, six foot one, 216 pounds. Um, not all the combine stats are really shown, but they're kind of the same thing. He checks the height, weight, speed. He has nice swivel. He plays with some slasher qualities. Uh, has sudden one-cut ability with the juice to launch through the line of scrimmage and into the open hole. Very similar as the first guy. Um, some of his weaknesses, he may have NFL size, but he doesn't run like it. I think something similar was said about player A. Uh, pass protection wasn't very good. Tempo and pace can be inconsistent. Well, player A is Arian Foster, who was actually undrafted. Um, I think he came out of Tennessee. Either way, he he could have been, you know, drafted a little higher. I think he had some off-field. I can't remember exactly what it was about Aaron Foster, but he he could have been better than undrafted. But either way, he came in and just you know basically showed that he was. It's okay to be a jack of all trades, especially if you're if you're just a really smart guy. I think Aaron Foster, super smart guy, and, and sometimes that you know that that shows on the football field and just his awareness um, as as a runner. And so player B, I think is similar. When I watched him, I just saw an awareness, and that's Jordan Wilkins. Um, the player out of Mississippi who was drafted by the Colts, you know, he, he doesn't grade out very well. But what I did see was was a guy who maybe just didn't – he didn't lay it on the line. And, and sometimes I think in college it's not the worst thing in the world to protect your body and, and not – you know, some of these kids are coming around and, and they – they really have NFL talent, the Kalen Bellagio, Jordan Wilkins. They may, may they just be kind of hiding there. And I'm not saying that I condone it, 
But I also, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if some of these guys, they don't get paid to play college football. They're not getting paid to go lay their body on the line. Some of these guys are just trying to get to that opportunity, and then all of a sudden they let their, their talent show. And I'm not saying that's the case with Wilkins, honestly. What I saw was just a guy who, who looked like a decent running back. He looked to me like a player that, if given the right situation, could kind of, you know, he's not that big, but he looked kind of big. And he, you know, he looked smooth, and he looked, and obviously he's pretty fast and stuff, so... I don't know, just one of those ones that, that, that when I saw an Arian Foster type thing and the fact that he's there uh, with the Colts who are going to need, uh, you know, although it did say he was bad at pass protection and they need to pass protect Andrew Luck. If you heard me in my past episodes, I'm, I'm an Andrew Luck truther and I'm glad he's back. If you saw um, that he's throwing again, that's great. I did notice he has some gigantic arms. I don't know if I love that. Uh, it scares me a little bit just because I'm, I'm a big fan of Bill Walsh. And I remember Bill Walsh's book. He talked about, uh, you know, having having arms, you know, being, being more like an athlete, fluid athlete like Muhammad Ali is the way he wants his quarterbacks. He doesn't want big buff quarterbacks. So that worries me a little bit with Andrew Luck. But I will say this. If you work out, I do work out. Uh, it, shoulders are very important for all exercises, it, you know, pull-ups, push-ups, all that stuff. Your shoulders are really important. So obviously he's building, he's building up like a body like that. His shoulders have been doing a lot of work, so he's obviously not falling apart uh, for anybody who was, who was worried about that. Okay, so let's keep moving here. Let's do a wide receiver now. Um, this one, I think, I haven't heard this, this comparison at all. In fact, when I watch them play, I don't see the exact same player, but I, 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 I kind of just, when I saw this player B on the scouting report and, and looking at him, I said, you know, it kind of reminds me of a player. And then I went back and looked at player A, and I said, boy, he is actually really close. So player A, he's a wide receiver when he came out. He was six foot three. He was two hundred twelve pounds. He ran a four five forty, four five seven actually. Uh, Eighteen bench reps, thirty five and a half inch vertical, one hundred twenty six inch broad, and a six eight three cone drill. Player B. He was six three, two hundred eighteen pounds. Runs a five four five four forty. Eighteen bench, three hundred or thirty five and a half vertical, one hundred twenty four inch broad, and a six five seven three cone. So he's a little bit quicker, but basically a very similar player, very similar build. A little bit bigger, a little bit quicker, maybe not quite as fast. So I'm not going to get into all the details of the scouting report. They're very similar. Uh, both players kind of raw, but both players uh, have great potential. Could, you know, big upside, but could also bust. Uh, player one is Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints wide receiver. Uh, when he came out, I think, you know, there were some people that were high on him, and he came out like in the middle of the first round. Um, so he wasn't, you know, it wasn't like people were really low on him. But at the same time, he wasn't, I think if people knew he, he was going to turn out to be the player he is in, in retrospect, playing with Drew Brees should have, you know, kind of clued us all in, on, to that, on that. But he, he was one of those players that, you know, he's turned out to be a really good player. And I think it, we'd all be really excited if Cortland Sutton turned out to be that player. And Cortland Sutton, you know, it's not like he's going so much later that it's going to be some huge value. He's going at the end of the first round. But I will say, you know, along with my hot takes here, um, this is one of my hot takes, which is, it really seems like the, the running backs have just been pushed up the draft boards. Every year when I'm in dynasty drafts, I see that there's kind of a balance between running back receivers. It just kind of goes back and forth with some of the top players. But this year, because of the, the running backs just being so prolific, and I think wide receivers have just burned people a lot. A lot of these these last few wide receiver cores just haven't developed quite early enough for people to feel comfortable taking 
a wide receiver in the first round. So for whatever reason, the wide receivers have fallen back. And, and I'm not saying that you should trade out of the running back spots, especially if you need running backs. This might be a good year. So I'm not saying – I think it's a great – there's a reason for those, those spots to be there, the, the, the opportunity to get an every down back or even a prolific running back right now. is hard, and there's not every year that, that running backs come out as talented as this year. So I'm not saying that, but I am saying that if you do need wide receiver help, this might be a perfect year um, to either trade back out of that spot, gain some extra value, and still get a really good receiver, or – trade up into that spot, you know, from the second round or something. It's somewhere between 1-7, one, 1-8, one, and even the early second round. There's just a lot of receivers, five, six, seven receivers. There's some really good um, upside guys, and I think some guys who are just going to stick in the league, they may just take a year or so. Um, so along that line's a hot take. I want to I want to put one more thing out there, and that is Calvin Ridley. I just, I'm blown away that, that a guy who all the scouts have said you know, everybody who seems to talk about him from the NFL talks about how he's so much better than every other prospect. Even the DJ Moore, I mean, he got drafted higher than, but I think most people could say that, that Calvin Ridley is just that much more advanced than DJ Moore. DJ Moore is just such an amazing athlete, and he's young, so there's huge upside if he can learn how to be a wide receiver, where Calvin Ridley's already proven that he knows how to be a wide receiver. And I just think it's amazing that he's, you know, he's getting a little buzz now that he's in Falcons training camp, but I think for a while there, it's just people, it's something about, and, and I, the podcasts in the preseason, somewhere along the way, seeds get planted of negativity uh, for certain players. And, and Ridley felt like that for me. For some reason, because I don't, like I said, I don't do all my own scouting, I kind of start getting into players early before the draft. And for some reason, it kept being planted to me that he's not that great, you know, that he was just like overrated. And, and yet everything I would read about his route running is so amazing, he's fast, and he reminds me of Myron Harrison. Some people say, I'm like, what the heck, you know, like... Why are some people saying he's not that great? And I, I realize, and this is what I think it is. I think it's the spark score. I think that all of the good is being outweighed by this one little thing where they're talking about the spark score and how he was like a bottom 5% player. And the spark score, well, from what I understand, and I don't, I'm not an expert on this, but from what I understand, a, lar- part, a large part of the spark score is based on strength, on, on bench press. And I don't really care if you can do very many bench press, um, especially if you, 220 pounds is not light. If you can lift 220 pounds once, you're strong. If you can lift 225 pounds five times, I'm impressed. And if you can do it 25 times, that's great. But you don't need to do that to play wide receiver. In fact, I don't want you doing that. I want you to be able to lift just enough and then you know focus on other things. You don't want to overbuild your upper body. You want some strength. But you, you don't need to be carrying all that mass around. A lot of times, I mean, what was it? David Boston back in the day, you know, Anquan Bolden, maybe, but he's not fast. You know, for some of these small guys, you just, you need that quickness. You don't need to be bulking up. You need just functional strength. You know, Steph Curry just putting on little bits of strength at a time. Speaking of basketball, I know this is a fantasy football podcast, but just bear with me. You know, one thing, another thing that I remember thinking when I watched Calvin Ridley is, is I remember reading an article about James Harden with, with uh, the Houston Rockets and how, they did some tests on him, and he really didn't measure out to be one of the best athletes in the NBA. In fact, he was just above average athlete. But what they did find out is he, he was like in the top 99 percentile in the ability to stop, the deceleration. His ability to just decelerate was so so good, and they actually made his shoes around this. I think that's what the article was about. But it really stuck with me because when I watched Calvin Ridley, I thought the same thing, where this this guy... When you watch him run his routes, he's able to decelerate so well. So he's fast and he can decelerate. Does it really matter if he's not the biggest jumper or he's not the strongest guy? I mean, to me, it's like, you know, if you have a jet plane and you hit the air brakes and another jet flies by, that's a pretty cool thing. There's a lot to be said about a guy who can stop on a dime, and that's kind of what I saw with Calvin Ridley. He's a route runner. He's he's really just going to develop into a great player. He's got a 
great floor, and I think he has a lot of upside too. He's playing on the opposite side of Julio Jones, which I don't know how that's a bad thing. I don't know why people, you know, you, you talk about landing spots, and then he goes to Atlanta, and people go, oh, it's a terrible landing spot. I go, what are you talking about? I was at a terrible landing spot. That's great. He's got a great quarterback. He's going to be probably number two by, you know, maybe at the end of the year or next year. He's going to be playing opposite Julio Jones. There's a lot of two wide receivers said. There's a lot of good two wide receivers in the league. I mean, in fact, most good receivers have somebody else to kind of balance them out. So don't worry about that. I think Calvin Ridley, if you can get him between 7 and 10, oh, jump on it. Steal. I mean, Calvin Ridley. That, so that's my other hot take. that He's being overlooked. I think that spark score really ruined him for some reason. Just people have just kind of dropped off and think, oh, it can't be. If he's not a great spark score athlete, then how is he going to be a great receiver? Well, like I said, that's, some of this stuff just it blows me away. That we take all of the good and it just gets thrown away by some little negative thing. And, and that happened, I think, with the, with the sparse score, in my opinion. Okay, so now we're going to look at another wide receiver. This one, to me, is one of my favorite comparisons. I actually, you know, when I watched this player, player B, um, in the in the scouting, this is another player where, you know, I'll tell you in a second, but the, the I think the negativity on him is just like, I don't know exactly why, but it's clearly out there because I I had a negativity coming in, uh, unbeknownst to me. I kind of had this negativity about him, and then had to kind of like work my way through it. So anyway, player A, when he came into the league, he was six foot four as a wide receiver, six foot four, two hundred eleven pounds. Um, his his strengths, he had excellent body length, a long rangy frame, good straight line separation speed. He's a great red zone target, and uh, has return experience, and he can. Drop his hips surprisingly well for as tall as he is. Um, his weaknesses, he had inconsistent hands. He was kind of stiff in and out of his breaks. He lacked the toughness to work over the middle. And uh, may not, you know, the playbook might have been a little difficult for him. So this player, he ran a 4-4-2-40, 16-inch, or 16 reps, 39-inch vertical, 124, and 7.1-inch three-cone, okay? Let's look at player two. Player two came in at six foot three this year. 200 pounds, 199 pounds. He ran a 4-3-4-40, 16 bench reps, 40-inch vertical, 129-inch broad. They didn't show his other three-cone stuff, uh, but clearly he's just a brilliant athlete. Okay, what it says about him, he has a desired combination of size and strength. He accelerates smooth and sudden. He builds up speed, long street to create winning separation. He can gather and sink in and open to a quarterback quickly on comebacks, and he was a quality punt returner. Notice the same thing with almost exact same words on both of those as the first player. Uh, weaknesses. His frame is too easy to find. He can be leggy. Um, not effective as a hand fighter. Ball tracking is uneven. Okay, so player one is Martavis Bryant. Smokey. I don't know why John Brown got that name, but Martavis, Smokey Bryant. Yeah, I mean... Coming out of college, he was he was late. He he went really high in the. I mean, not high. I mean, he was, he might have been high, but he went late in drafts. He was like third or fourth round rookie draft, and it was a lot of off field stuff. But he was super talented, and it just people weren't sure where he was going to have the mark. But I think there was a lot of off field stuff. But DJ Chark, no, this the player B. DJ Chark, when I watch him, I put on the tape, and I just think. This guy looks exactly like Martavis Bryant. What? Go back and watch the two of them play. I mean, it's a very, very similar player. He's got that skinny build. He's got you know this toughness and this kind of wiggle for for a tall, skinny guy. Kind of Randy Moshish. Um, so for me, the, the, when I watch him punt return, uh, just so many things about DJ Chark, and he doesn't have the off-field troubles. But for whatever reason, DJ Chark, somewhere along the podcast in my, in my early off-season, someone planted in my head that DJ Chark sucked. And he had terrible hands or something. He's just he's just going to be a deep threat, and he's going to be you know a, a, a Will Fuller light. You know he's just a terrible player. And so 
I came in thinking that, and then I just started watching him because I always do. I try to just watch players a little bit and get an eye test, and I really didn't see that. I see a guy who plays for LSU. I see a guy who has all of these gifts, and, you know, yeah, he could turn out to be, you know, not not that special. There's a lot of guys who have that gift, but at the same time, like, get him with some NFL coaching. There's just not many players with his upside, with his ability to stretch the field. I mean, Martavis Bryant, when he was on, looked like just otherworldly, and DJ Chark has some of that. So my bold prediction with DJ Chark is I think he will be one of, you know, the probably the most explosive and best receiver on Jacksonville by next year. That he is going to be that receiver that everybody's talking about. Maybe not like super statistic-wise, but that he's going to be the fantasy force or at least the big play guy on, on Jacksonville's team. And the Marquise Lees and stuff will be kind of supplementally, you know, trying to just build around what DJ Chark as yeah, this is my kind of hot take. I don't know if there's anything truth to that, but I, I, you know, early on I was not that hot on DJ Chark. I would have taken him in the early third or you know mid third reluctantly. Now I'm hoping he falls to me in the early third. If I can get him in the late second, I might just take him there too because I just think that there's not that many players with his kind of talent. And he looks like Martavis Bryant to me. I can actually see it. I see it on the field, and I see it when I actually match up the numbers. It really, it really fits for me. And like I said, I don't know. I don't scout, but yeah, food for thought. Okay. Okay, so let's do another player we did. Okay, so we're going to do one last wide receiver here. Okay, this wide receiver, player A, when he came out of the draft, he was 5'10". He was 185 pounds. He ran a 5'5", 4'5", He did 13 reps. He had a 4'1", 20-yard shuttle and a 6'9", 3-cone. Player B was 5'10". 183 pounds, basically the same size. He ran a 448, 40, six bench, 385 vertical, 122 broad, and a 687 cone. Scattering report for player A said he had really nice combination of quickness and speed. He's extremely productive in his college career. He showed very impressive initial quickness when exploding off the line. Uh, his weaknesses: he lacks size. He was not tall and does not possess enough bulk at the line. Uh, needs to add strength, and his route running skills could use some refinement. Remember that. Okay, player B is so similar, the, the comparisons. Okay, he has competitive personality on the field. He plays with rapid-fire foot quickness to work around early pressure. He gets out of the block in a flash off the snap. He took a heavy workload and produced as a pass catcher. Um, has separation quickness to create throwing windows out of breaks. His weaknesses, he lacks NFL size. He Playing strength is below average. He's too upright, and he stems from defenders. He's athletic, but still raw. Okay, player A is Antonio Brown. So Antonio Brown was drafted in the sixth round by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He, They had Mike Wallace, they had Emmanuel Sanders, and he did not look like he was going to be anything. But within two or three years, Antonio Brown became Antonio Brown. Well, player B, and I'm not saying he's going to turn out to be Antonio Brown. Please don't take this to the bank at all. But it is eerily similar how how close these players are at so many levels. Is Richie James. Richie James out of Middle Tennessee State was drafted in the seventh round by the San Francisco 49ers. And the San Francisco 49ers have a wide receiver core that's Pierre Garçon and, you know, rookies and Trent Taylor. And so... Not only does Richie James have such a player comparison to, to Antonio Brown, but then if you go and look at his picture, he looks just like Antonio Brown. I'm not even kidding. You've got to see the picture. He is like the doppelganger of Antonio Brown, his little brother. It's creepy weird. I'm telling you, 
there's just something about these two players that strikes me. I think that my hot, my bold take is not quick, that he's going to become Antonio Brown, but I do think he is going to take Trent Taylor's job and become the kick returner and become that slot receiver for San Francisco. And before long, who knows? I mean, if this guy, you know, he, I just, when I see the, the highlights and stuff, I think this guy is a special player. I don't know. I mean, I just don't understand maybe because of small schools, but to me, it's just, wow, did he make it to the seventh round? Now, obviously, there's probably a reason, but when Antonio Brown made it to the sixth round, and there was obviously a probably a reason for that. So Antonio Brown didn't become Antonio Brown till Antonio Brown became Antonio Brown. And Richie James might not be Richie James till he becomes Richie James. So anyway, like I said, just another hot take. Can't really, you know, stand behind any of these things. Take it for entertainment value. But um, I think it's a fun little thing. And for me, these rookie drafts are about fun. It really is when you just get a chance to look at these players and dream about what they could be. So to me, that, that that's kind of what this out this exercise is about was just really getting a chance to see what could what could some of these players become. And I could really with these, I really was able to wrap my head around some of these players and say, yeah, I could see this player being that guy and this player being that guy. And and like I said, um, with, with Alvin Kamara in in the, in the Sony Michelle, I really don't think the comparison was spot on, but I'm telling you, I really feel like the production will be. I think it'll be a very similar situation, and you're going to find that passing on Sony Michelle is going to feel like you were passing on, on Alvin Kamara. Um, so that's it for the episode. Thanks for listening. Um, if you want to listen to more episodes like this, you can go back and check out some past episodes, or you can hang in there for a few more days. I do have an episode coming out hopefully this weekend, uh, more on the negotiation table. Um, get more back into that rabbit hole i've got some good stuff on that one so i hope you tune in for that um, other than that uh, if you want to get a hold of me you can find me on twitter at big knowledge fo1 or you can email the show at big knowledge football at gmail.com um, anyway thanks for listening and have a great day